Okay. We are, I mean, this is the Neil No Football Podcast. That's our, that's my co-host, the dog, in the back. <laughs> uh, this is episode 36. We have, we have background dog noises, because it's way too hot to not have the window open. So, for all the dog lovers, listen extra carefully for that. <laughs> Damn, he's got a lot of opinions on that LAFC game we just watched. I know, right? Tell me more. It was so good. Really? (laughs) They did amazing. Yes. All right. Well, uh, this is going to be the first real post-match of LAFC playing because it literally just ended. So why don't we review that game real quick? It was pretty boring 1-0 win for LAFC. How would you summarize that? Uh, I would summarize it as one of the lesser performance-driven games by LAFC. I feel like there was a lot missing from what we normally see from them. Yeah. I think they're very wasteful with their chances as well. A lot of passing around the final third and not enough, you know, actually taking a shot on goal. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, besides yeah. that, the defending was pretty good. I think the midfield gave a bunch of random passes at times. There was a lot of straight passes in this game by LAFC. Um, so it was very weird to see. But DC really only threatened at the beginning. And like I think they had one chance in the second half. And besides that, they didn't really have much going forward. So this was LAFC's game to lose. And, you know, luckily... Apoku got us the goal from one of the most clear-cut chances that we would get. I mean, it was an open goal. Uh, Brian yeah. probably would have missed, but... <laughs> to put it simply, this was a game where you probably expected more from LA coming up against an opponent like DC. Yes, but it didn't happen that way. Um, but either way, we got the win, so we're still on track to get the supporter shield. Would you say that DC was defending pretty well? They're defending a lot better than Charlotte, that's for sure. I think Wayne Rooney made them pretty organized. That's what I was thinking, too, because I thought that going into this, it was going to be so easy for us to go ahead. I thought, at least in the first half, we would have at least one goal. But as the game kept going on, I was paying attention to DC, and it seemed like they were pretty good at cutting off the spaces whenever uh, LAFC wanted to go forward. Um Although, it's like you said, LAFC was also just making a lot of wasteful passes. But overall, I feel like DC seemed at least improved defensively. Yep. Uh, Besides that, I think they're defending... um, Their way of defending as opposed to like the last game where we encountered defending was... uh, I think DC tried to press more and they tried to use Mm -hmm. their energy... In a way, like, you know, trying to pass press in a way to defend. That way they wouldn't have to do so much actual running after the ball. And obviously they were going to play counterattack against a team like us. But mm-hmm. the counterattack wasn't effective because they only had about two players running the counterattack and everybody else stayed behind because they were afraid yeah. of LAFC's counterattack as well. Mm-hmm. But overall, I'd say DC did a pretty good job in this game, especially taking into uh, consideration that they ended up losing a man throughout the game yep I think I was just lucky on our end where a guy put in a tackle and forgot that he was on a red card and he was already on a yellow yeah yeah that's right man whoops <laughs> yeah uh, but uh, still I think that 
you know, yes, it's unfortunate of that, but even with going down a man, I didn't see them panic like most other clubs end up doing, where they're trying to scramble to figure out a formation or tactic to remain at the most minimal of getting scored on. That's a weird way to phrase it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, man. Um... Yeah, I guess. Either way, DC just defended good enough. Honestly, I think it was more of us not finishing our chances rather than them defending super well. But <laughs> I'll take the three points. One no win. I mean, can't complain too much about those. And I guess yeah. we just move forward to the next match against San Jose. Yeah, now we are even on matches played with Austin. And we have a healthy nine-point lead. Yep, and we play again on Saturday. Um, one step closer to the supporter shield. We get nine, nine uh, point cushion, like you said. Uh, a lot and of that people, much closer to breaking the record again. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that. I mean, a lot of people think it's more than likely that we're going to break that record. Mm-hmm. The real question is going to be: Can we break eighty points, or be the first team to break eighty points? Yeah. Currently, what, we should be at 57? We are at 57. Uh, New England ended up with 73 last season. Yeah, so we are only 16 away. Yes. With, I believe, 10 games remaining. So So that's approximately 30 points. It's either 10 games or 9 games remaining, but still 30 points. It's 9, it's 27. I mean, you know. 30-ish points, give or take. Yeah. So, hmm. Oh, wow. (laughs) So, New England took the record just by one point over our 2019 season. Because we had 77? We had 72. Oh, and they got 73? They had 73 and 21. Okay. I think we could break it. Uh, 80 points is difficult, though, because you basically got to win every single game except for one. Yeah, no. Um, or you could get eight uh, games and win two draws. I mean, two two losses and a draw. Yeah, because that's seven points. If if there's ten games, that that'll take us to eighty-seven points if we win all of them. If there's so, nine games. we have a, a seven point. I think there's nine games left after this. I think it's thirty-four. Yeah. There's nine games left? I think so. Hmm, okay, so we have 27 points that we can gain. Yeah. But yeah, 18 wins, 4 losses, 3 ties. Uh, we could just talk about the, the Charlotte game, I guess, real quick. LAC versus Charlotte, where we scored 5-0. Yeah, you watched comp- that one. Oh, I was about to say, you didn't watch, huh? No, I didn't really watch too well, much of that. Um, it just did look like LA was... In control of the whole match from what I did end up seeing. Um, and I believe... I, I do remember that we did... I did watch some of it. Um, Swiderski was pretty uh, sad being up all alone with nothing to do. Because there were no balls going up in his direction. Uh, because LAFC had pretty much control of the whole game the whole time. Yep, 
But I would say that performance was the complete opposite of this performance this time because um, mm-hmm. we were doing high press. We were turning. I mean, we were getting the ball back. That was similar to this one, but I think we created so many more chances. I believe, I think we ended that match with like twenty five shots or something like that. But yeah. most of those were at the goal, or more than, or at least close to half were at the goal, at least. Yeah, 25 shots, 9 of those on target. We had 53% of the possession and 496 passes, which isn't that much more than what Charlotte was able to make, which was 454. Um, But still, the shot comparison, 25 to 8, it really shows in the results, especially with the 5-0. And it's another good game to get a clean sheet, which is something that we tend to lack. Lately, we've been pretty good at it. Um, but, yeah, I think it was just more clinical finishing mm-hmm. that separates the last game versus this one. Because, well, we did have a couple more chances. We were more ruthless in terms of putting them away. I mean, Blessing could have put it away three by himself, which he ended up doing again in this one. Where <laughs> yeah. he did not finish the chances that he was given. And he keeps... Ending up in those positions where he should be the one scoring, but he keeps shooting it straight at the goalie. Yeah, it always happens that way. And it's good to appreciate that he can have that movement to find himself in those positions. But at the same time, it's kind of pointless if nothing comes from it. Yeah. But, I mean, that's all I got to say about that match. I mean, it was really good to celebrate, you know, one of those really big, big wins that we feel like we don't mm-hmm. get too often these days but yeah nice yeah. nice getting a final win it was a good win and i'd say that even though charlotte did lose by getting scored five um they didn't stop playing you know and fighting uh, until the game ended and i think that's really respectable from them yeah but i think they'd rather want the three points instead of playing to the end <laughs> no of course of course but you don't really there's a lot of times where teams just end up giving up. Yeah, and even with such a huge deficit, they still continue to at least try to make something out of it. Yeah. All right, let's move on. I mean, let's take a quick run through through the what happened last weekend, mm-hmm. uh, the one that just passed. Uh, not a lot of crazy matches. I mean, New York, Orlando, Orlando won one nil. Cincinnati, Atlanta tied two all. New England won against DC 1-0, Philadelphia once against Chicago 4-1, Toronto won against Portland 3-1, Miami versus New York City, I think that was one of the good games of the weekend, ended up yeah, 3-2, Pozuelo getting his first You had told me goals. that you had seen part of this game, and the last score that you had seen was... Um, Just 2-1, I think, with two uh, New one, York City New York winning, winning right? Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of awesome for Miami to come into this game... Probably a bit of an underdog, I want to say, compared to New York. Um, but I believe in the discussion that we had in our preview, I told you that uh, Miami had a much better chance of winning with Pozuelo probably being a key factor in this game for them. And he was. He ended up getting a brace. Yep. Uh, Bryce Duke looks like he keeps getting assists, though, from what I've been noticing. Hey, I told you a long time ago, Bryce Duke is a really good player. Kind of wish we would have kept him, though. Yeah, same, but you know how it is. It's the Garber Bucks that need to come in. Yeah. 
another good game was uh, Austin versus Kansas City, where I also watched part of this game, and Kansas City was winning 3-1 up at one point. But I, I had to tune out because I think I was I had to go do something. And uh, by the end of the match, of course, Austin ended up turning it around 4-3 to three with a Drew UC mm-hmm. last-minute winner. Probably got you some points there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely did. Um, next up, Colorado versus Columbus. They drew one all. Dallas ended up beating San Jose four to one. Houston mm-hmm. lost to Montreal three to two. Uh, Achache isn't doing much for that team because they've been. I think they had like five losses since he came in. Um, yeah, this is just really proving. Well, maybe it's not proving, but at least for me, it's solidifying what I already thought about him coming into the team. I I honestly did not think that he was going to be a factor in improving the game for this team. And so far, the results of them continuing to lose or draw is really just confirming that. He did get an assist, at least. Yeah, but he's supposed to be the superstar. He yeah. should be doing more. Um, and then the Galaxy finally stopped their losing run by uh, winning 5-2 to two against Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, congratulations to them, I guess, but it's also Vancouver. Uh, Nashville ended up losing to Minnesota 2-1. to one. And then Seattle, uh, still waiting for the end of the season four to pick up, but they ended up losing to Russell Lake. So they finished strong always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the other one I kind of just want to point out is uh, FC Dallas. Um with that 4-1 win, it's their first win in a while where they have multiple goals for a win. Most of their last games have been either a 1-0 win or a 1-0 loss or a 1-all draw. So it's kind of nice to see that they've picked up at least a couple of goals and a goal difference against San Jose in this game. Yeah. All right, let's move on. That was a quick one. Okay. All right. Uh, actually, we don't need to do previews. Well, actually, no, yeah, yeah. Well, we have previews uh, mid- for tomorrow. Midweek previews. Uh, there's about five more games, apart from the LAFC one that just happened. All right, yeah. we got Atlanta versus New York. I believe New York should be winning this one on paper. Yeah, they should. Um, Atlanta just tied 2-2 yeah. two to two with Cincinnati. Yeah. And New York Red Bulls lost to Orlando 1-0. Yeah. Um, would you go with... I mean, Atlanta's playing at home. Would you go with Atlanta? I would go with Atlanta just because even though they did end up coming... Or, or they would be coming off of a draw, uh, they did get a win before that against Seattle. And in New York's case, they ended up drawing against DC. So given that, I, I'd say that Maybe Atlanta might end up coming out with a win on this one. One nil, maybe. Yeah, I'll go for uh, a two one win for Atlanta as well. All right, Toronto versus New England. I mean, Toronto's got a little bit of form, uh, especially mm-hmm. with their Italians both scoring in the last match against yeah. New England, who is still lounging around in the bottom half of the table. Although they did get a one, uh, was it one nil or is it four something? No, it was one nil against DC United, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I might have to go with Toronto on this. Although I could easily see this being a draw. 
No, I think it's so much easier for Toronto to get on the board in this game compared to New England. New England just have not been consistent when it comes to wins, and they've been pretty consistent when it comes to falling short in performance. Uh, so I'm going to give it to Toronto, maybe like a 2-0. All right, uh, I think I'm going to go with a 2-0 as well. Uh, NYCFC versus Charlotte, I'm going to go with a 3-1 <laughs> of... Basically, from Charlotte, I don't think their defense is good enough to compete mm-hmm. with the top teams in MLS or to stop them from scoring against them. So I think they're probably going to concede some goals in this match as well. And at the same time, it seems like they're kind of struggling to put in any sort of attack together. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to give it a 2-1 in favor of New York. All right, then we got Dallas versus Philadelphia. I mean, Phillies had, I think they won like five out of their, or four out of the last five, or five out of the last six, something like that. Mm-hmm. They had one loss in there. But uh, be- besides that, they've been having large goal wins. Uh, yeah, they ended up having that 4-1 win over the weekend against Chicago. And then Dallas just got their largest win four. so far, 4-1 four to one against San Jose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think... So coming off similar highs for both yeah, of them. Yeah. I think on paper Philadelphia should win, but something in me is thinking it's going to be like a two-all draw. That seems pretty reasonable. Uh, although I'm still going to give it to Philadelphia. I think it'll be like a two-one. All right, and then let's move on to Vancouver versus Colorado. I feel like Colorado should be taking this, mm-hmm. uh, but Vancouver's been known to upset people from time to time. Um. I'm going to go with a 1-0 win for Colorado. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I feel like Colorado uh, will end up getting the win in this game with Vancouver coming off of that 5-2 loss against the Galaxy and also suffering a red card to Christian Dijon. Um, Dahomey. Dahomey, whatever. Uh, I think that it'll affect them. So um, I'm going to say Colorado... 3-1. 3-1. Alright. And with that, we wrap up our midweek previews. Alright, let's do a review of the Premier League because uh, there might have been a lot of action. Not, none for my team, but, you know, how, how do yours <laughs> go down? Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> Alright, let's see. Ah, there it is. Okay. Um, look at the fixtures previous. Okay. Okay, so, so what are the games off, that we... Started off Aston Villa versus Everton, one that you're holding out so long to know the score of. <laughs> yeah, so this is a game that we said was pretty key from both of these sides because they're both under somewhat of pressure. Um, and... I think we both agreed that Everton was probably going to be the one that would lose this game. Yeah. Uh, And they did with a 2-1 loss to Villa. What did you think from what you saw about highlights? Uh, I think from what I've heard, I mean, I have seen the highlights, but from what I've heard, 
Lampard is doing a good job. It's just they haven't gotten lucky with the results yet. And they've brought in a couple of good players, one mainly being Onana from, I want to say it was the French League, one of the teams there. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently he's their most exciting player right now. Uh, for Aston Villa, I think they just have their normal strong base of players that they had from last season. And it's just more about Stevie G whipping them into shape. I think it's a little combination between that and the players uh, yes, also staying yes. healthy. And I remember in my head. So, yeah, Danny Ings scoring a screamer of a goal, doing a half turn yes. outside the box. And mm-hmm. Buendia, who was essentially the original Coutinho before Coutinho came in and took his spot. Um, <laughs> but he, he was one of their main players that they signed from Norwich. But, right. yeah, yeah, I think uh, pretty much Aston Villa looked better than Everton overall yeah i saw a tiny bit of this game and from what i saw aston villa really did seem to be the one who was um putting the pace to the game and everton was actually responding pretty well uh so it it was a little bit of a back and forth from the bit that i ended up seeing um but i feel like the result really does represent the work that was put in by each team yes i agree but i, I don't think i don't think everything's played bad enough to be relegation form yet but no if, not yet if they lose their third game then i'm all on the relegation bandwagon you know well their next game's going to be uh, against Nottingham forest yeah which is a good level of challenge a newly promoted team um, who's signed a lot, a lot of players, so you'd argue that the chemistry isn't 100% there. Yeah, but speaking of them, they are coming off of a win against West Ham. Yes, and uh, I think whoever watched that game would say that Nottingham Forest is actually lucky to come away with any points at all because West Ham ended up hitting the woodwork twice, and I think they had three clear-cut chances, including the woodwork ones. Um, West Ham just had a ton of chances that they couldn't put away. They just weren't clinical. So they should have at least gotten a point from this, but it hasn't happened yet. So West Ham lost their first two games of the season, although many would argue they should have won this one. Yeah. I think anybody who would have seen this matchup would have easily given it to West Ham the same way as I did. Yeah. And speaking of London... um, Arsenal Leicester. Did you watch anything from that? I did not. No. Man, you haven't watched any highlights. No, no. The first well, I've I saw the Aston Villa Everton. Um I saw a little bit of that Chelsea Tottenham, not too much. But the only thing I truly did see was the Liverpool Crystal Palace game. But we'll get into that. <laughs> All right, let's just run over some some of the the. Okay, so uh, I mean, Southampton, Arsenal, Leicester, Arsenal, Leicester. Okay. Is that what you brought up right now? Right, yes, right. Arsenal, Leicester. Right. Um, sorry, sorry, I just blanked out for a moment. Arsenal, Leicester. I did watch it. Gabriel Jesus is on fire. Two goals, two assists, I believe. Uh, all the Gabriels in that team are scoring right now because Martinelli also got a goal with his weaker foot. Uh, but mm-hmm. Gabriel Jesus looks like he's enjoying being the main man. Looks like he's enjoying being the number nine for once. It's just weird to think yeah. that Man City was playing for a full season, wanting a striker, and he was on the bench. He could have easily filled that role. They just didn't want to play him. He just—it's it, Pep. You yeah, know? yeah, I know. If a player just—if he just has a 
weird feeling about a player that just doesn't sit well yeah. with them. He's just not going to play them. It doesn't matter who they are. As um, as Ibrahimovic once said, he drives a Ferrari like a Fiat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that is so spot on with how he ends up doing things. Yeah. It makes so much sense. No. Um, this matchup, I would have, in another year, said Leicester City could have come away with a win. But with mm-hmm. all the changes that they've had, losing Schmeichel, which I figure is a huge key in Leicester not losing so many games, um, this result makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, so I would say Brendan Rodgers is getting a little bit on the hot seat, but well, I, I don't think Leicester's as bad either, even though they haven't made any signings. As long as they keep a good core of their players and maybe hopefully bring somebody in before the window closes, I think they'll be okay. Yeah, and that's if Rodgers ends up deciding not to leave the post. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. So let's uh, run off. Okay, so Brighton, Newcastle. Leeds. Oh, I was going to go Brighton, Newcastle, nil-nil. Okay. Nil. Not really anything to talk about there. No, Southampton uh, Leeds. That was a game that really looked like Leeds was going to end up coming away with a win, but they had a great performance that was wasted on allowing Southampton, who actually did fight back in the second half, to um, draw the game 2-2. So good performance from both teams on different halves of the game. Yes. And props to Hassan Hootl for actually getting Southampton to perform. I know a lot of people are placing their bets on Southampton to get relegated. I think I'm one of them. <laughs> uh, so Yeah, I didn't put them in that. So far, position. they've been having some decent games. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Usually in the second half of the season is when they struggle. Uh, Wolves mm-hmm. versus Fulham, nil-nil. Nothing really to talk about there except for Mitrovic missing a pen, I believe. Oh, that explains your negative one point. Yeah, I was wondering why. I was like, I don't think he got a red card. Or else I would, he wouldn't be in my team. But luckily yeah. he was on my bench for my Premier League team, my fantasy team. Yeah, um, and based on everything that you had told me about Mitrovic and his performance against Liverpool, I would have expected a little bit more from him against a team like Wolves, who is struggling at the moment. Yeah. And then you got uh, Man City versus Bournemouth. Uh, four nil. I think everybody expected five, so they're kind of underperforming there. Uh, <laughs> then you got uh, Gundogan scored a goal, De Bruyne scored a goal, Foden scored a goal. I guess they're missing some statistics on the page. Yeah, uh, Holland ended up getting eight touches in this match and only completed two passes. So that that's probably mm-hmm. how most of the season is going to go for him with how Man City plays. But yeah, I think everybody expected them to win this game. So far, they're top of the league already, so title race over. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. Uh, three eventful games we have remaining uh, from, well, that had the most action. Quickly, let's just talk about Chelsea versus Chelsea. Spurs, who neither of us support those teams. But a lot of action. I think there was the most drama in this one. As a neutral, I think this was a fantastic game. Yeah, a lot of fighting going on, a lot of controversial decisions. Uh, I think... Um, on the first goal, Chelsea scored two goals just out of their own right. I mean, Koulibaly scored the first one with from mm-hmm. a, vo- a volley from a free kick. Or, no, a volley from a corner, my bad. But it was a beautiful goal. Um, I think he's probably one of the best defenders in the league already. Man United should have signed him because he was cheap. He was like 40 mil. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, well. Uh, so, yeah, Chelsea scored two good goals. You've got uh, Maguire. Yeah, Maguire. Uh <laughs> And then Spurs ended up a lot. There's a lot of controversy around the two goals that Spurs scored. So, on the mm-hmm. first goal that they scored, 
from Hoiberg. Um, yes. Uh, was it? Havertz ended up getting fouled by Bettencourt from Spurs. Okay. And uh, the ref, Anthony Taylor, just didn't, didn't acknowledge it. He was like, no, uh, it's not a foul. Mm-hmm. Although on the replay, you can see he didn't get any of the ball whatsoever. Okay. But, okay, the play goes on. They end up outside the box. They start mm-hmm. dribbling it around. And then uh, Hoiberg takes a shot from outside the box, ends up going in. Yeah. It was a really good shot. However, it was really nice. Richarlison is standing in line from where the shot was taken to Mendy, the goalie, right? And right. he was in an offside position. And mm-hmm. the refs did not review that at all, but he was clearly offside. And from the letter of the law, if you're interfering with the sight of the goalie to the ball, it's offside. Yes, but uh, they didn't review it or VAR or nothing. So that goal stood. And okay, then that is controversial. On the second goal, in the corner, the 96th minute. Yes, uh, on the corner kick before, uh, I think Romero, which is one of the defenders for um, Spurs, ended up yanking the hair of Cucurella all the way to the ground. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were saying that should have been a straight red because he legit just grabbed it and yanked it. Like, and that should have been a reviewed red, yes. And as a result, from that corner, another corner happened for Spurs, and that's where they scored the goal. So technically, they should have had a player sent off. It should have been a foul. They should, never should have gotten that second corner, and they should have never gotten the goal. So, so this should have been a 2-0 win for Chelsea. Yeah, so a lot of people are um, saying that and- that referee has a bias against Chelsea in terms of not giving them favorable calls. And even Tuchel himself didn't believe it until the game actually happened. Yeah. yeah, but apart from that, there was also Tuchel and Conte fighting. So that was good. yeah, and Conte ended up getting red. Well, they both got reds. Yeah, so, so both... it, the the rivalry is clearly alive between yeah. both of them. Yeah, they called it the Battle of the Bridge because they play at Stamford Bridge. But yeah, uh, Tuchel. There's some good quotes that came out of Tuchel, who was like, "Oh, you tell me I can't coach the next game, but the referee can." Referee, <laughs> <laughs> like there's a lot of words going around, and then uh, yeah, yeah. I suggest just just go watch the highlights. It's it's harder to describe okay. than what actually happened. <laughs> Did I misinterpret this? I think I saw a screenshot somewhere about um, Conte uh, putting something on Instagram related to this. Uh oh yeah yeah so. When I think Chelsea scored the second goal, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, Tuchel went running across the sideline past the Spurs coaching area. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, Tuchel was like, or not Tuchel, Conte was like, oh, you're lucky I didn't see you running by because I would have tripped you and you would have fully deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I was like, am I am I ever seeing this? Is this real? And I, I absolutely love this banter that's going on. Yeah. Oh, man. Good stuff, but. Yeah, Chelsea yeah. Spurs, look at the highlights. You won't regret it. All right, let's move on to your game. I think it had a little bit less action, but it's still controversial a little bit. Uh, before we go into my game, I think we should go into the game that happened before that. Why? Manchester. Why? Mine had, mine had more drama. Uh, what? More drama, really? Yes. Okay, fine. That's what uh, the, the news is talking about only Man United right now. Okay, okay. So Liverpool, Crystal Palace... I think on paper, everybody would have agreed that Liverpool maybe, you know, would have picked up form and 
had a multiple goal win against Crystal Palace. Not anything huge, but maybe somewhere in the two to three goal range. Um, that is not what happened. We ended up getting a one one draw. So it's the second draw of the season. Liverpool really starting off getting those draws out of the way. Yep. Um, but what made it more interesting is that Liverpool got a red card, something that is very rare for them to actually receive. From, uh, I think from your boy. the only, <laughs> I think the only other red card I can think of is um, Robertson getting like a double yellow once and then getting sent to offer it. Um, but it, it's just not something that is normal for Liverpool to have. And if it happens, it's usually something very accidental and crazy. Like I go back all the way to uh, Mane's kick to Ederson in the face. Yeah. Um, but this was Darwin Nunes, the new boy on the block. Uh, he was very, very frustrated and lost his head completely against Anderson from Crystal Palace and ended up headbutting him, um, which is a clear red for anybody that sees it. Even everybody on the field on the Liverpool team knew it was a red and was trying to push him off. And he just continued to stay on the field and tried to keep fighting and arguing and just shouting, which is very un-Liverpool-like, I guess. Um, and at one point, you even see Klopp just shouting at him, get off the field, get off. Uh, eventually, he did. And from one South American player letting the team down, you have three to four minutes later the other South American player in Luis Diaz putting the whole team on his back and scoring an amazing goal just to draw up the game one apiece. Yep. So what are your thoughts on Nunez given that? Uh, Cause that's all the headlines are about right now. Yeah. So given his attitude, it seems like this kind of thing is ingrained in him a little bit. Um, and I don't like it. I think it's terrible. It's like I think the South it's American like, flair. <laughs> I think, I mean, if it was full South American flair, we would have seen this from Luis Diaz all of last season, but we didn't. And he gets hit a lot. He gets dropped a lot. And yeah, he gets frustrated, but at no point did you ever see him throwing headbutts. Um, on the other hand, Darwin has not done anything to prove himself. Yeah. Like, Liverpool ended up performing way better with him off of the field than with him on the field. He was pretty much kind of like invisible. Um, so for me, everything, all the talk about him that was coming up preseason up till now, it's all been hype. Like I told you before, he has no right to be declared one of the best front three. He hasn't done anything. Holland kind of has a bit of a trajectory behind him with Dortmund, at least. But Darwin hasn't really done anything. What ended up putting him on the map for, for a lot of people and was um, his scoring against Liverpool. And yeah. so uh, that I don't think that warrants enough to give him the credit of, oh, he's amazing. He's going to be fantastic this season. So far, he's proven the complete opposite of that. So he's showing that he's kind of a terrible pick because he's a very, very potential red. And perfect for me. 
<laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> now, if the rest of the league catches on to him, they're going to end up pushing his buttons, and they're going to know he's going to be guaranteed red if they go against Liverpool and he's in the starting lineup. Yeah. So he's just a real big risk at the moment. And um, what Liverpool, uh, what Klopp said was that uh, it's unfortunate that he's most likely aware that he'll be disappointed in himself and he does uh, he doesn't know exactly how it's going to affect the team because it, the suspension is still coming in is it going to be a one or two game suspension uh but in the meantime whatever time he will be off he they'll be working on his physical not as a punishment but in order to make him stronger although i want to say that's probably just sugarcoating for he's getting punished yeah all right, well, that's your thoughts on that. Okay, time to well, move on. One, one last oh. thing. Um, so that's how the game played out. Uh, one thing that I wanted to point out was how uh, I had completely forgotten that the new ruling, or at least part of the new rules, was the leniency of the refs in order to allow this, these games to become a bit more physical. Yeah. And I noticed that in this game between Liverpool and Crystal Palace. Um, on a simple like look of the scoreline, you'd think, oh, it was a pretty boring game. A 10-man team actually tied up. But there were so many incidents that maybe last season you would have said, that's a foul, that's a foul, that's a foul. Uh, players being on the floor, getting thrown, all of this stuff happening, and none of it getting called because it was at the discretion of the ref. And it's so interesting. And this is kind of something that has me excited. And also, I believe it's part of what ended up getting uh, Darwin so worked up and frustrated is that so many of these potential calls in the past weren't getting called anymore because uh, of the whole, like, not stopping the game as often for soft calls. Uh, And I feel like, what you were talking about before with Chelsea and the clear red that should have happened. I feel like that's part of it where the refs are kind of deciding what they want to call and what they don't want to call. Um, So it's going to be an interesting season with this type of refing going on. I think we're going to end up seeing a lot more reds and a lot of skirmishes between players. All right. Let's move on to Man United, I guess. I guess I finally got to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Is there uh, much to talk about? I mean, it's just a 4-0 loss against one of the yeah. greatest teams ever. Yeah, we absolutely got whooped by Brentford over the weekend. Um, just saw the whole team, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say that other people haven't already said. But pretty much... First goal, De Gea decided he forgot how to save. Um, and it, it's reminding me of a lot of, um, I want to say, not last season De Gea, but the season before that De Gea, when he was like absolutely terrible before Dean Henderson came in. It just sounds like normal De Gea to me. Wow, okay. <laughs> but, no, seriously, like he'll have amazing stop against a really insane shot that's like upper corner far post he'll run fly teleport i don't know pull something out of his x-men bag and stop that but a simple rolled ball into his hands 
somehow ends up getting through. Yeah, I that's know. classic to hear. Yeah, I know. Um, but besides that, um, second one, he ended up passing it straight to Erickson, who was already covered by somebody. He took the ball away and just shot it straight past him. Third mm-hmm. one, Lisandro Martinez being like two feet tall, <laughs> couldn't wrestle anything away from Ben Mee, who just stood there waiting for the ball to fall down, touch his head, and it went into the goal. And then the fourth one, where we just got absolutely destroyed by a counterattack. Um, and then pretty much they it was just a beautiful counterattack. Two players ended up destroying the whole team. Um, and this is all in the first half. Um, and it was pretty bad. Probably the worst performance in Man United history. I don't think they've ever gone 4-0 down since the Premier League. Like, the current version has been in place. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the players just look lazy. They don't look like they have any confidence. Ronaldo's there trying to get people going, but I think he's causing most of, like, the locker room issues. I mean, Ten Hag is making a couple of mistakes in terms of team selection, especially against tall attackers like that, putting a short defender in to cover yeah. corners, stuff like that. I mean, it's a whole mess. And then there's, like, the you know, canceling their day off and making them run the distance that they didn't run. Who knows if that's going to pay off, but Man United's a mess right now, and unless we make more signings and we fully back Ten Hag with a bunch more players that can maybe change the mentality, I don't see how it's going to change anytime soon. So we'll see who they'll lose to next week, which is Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, I feel like what's going on with Manchester United and Ten Hag is usually what ends up happening all of the time with any coach, or at least any good coach who's had a good record in the past season happens they promised them the world and they get nothing in the end yeah but i think you know this has to be like arsenal where they gave arteta three years and now they're finally starting to play good so i think you got to give a similar amount of time to ten hog you can't just hire them and fire them in one season you gotta give them a couple years i mean you gave all the three years at least i mean six for ten hog at this point um, but six in all the years. But yeah, you know, as a Man United fan, we're all disappointed. We all just want to get this mess over with. Sell Ronaldo, sell who you ever, whoever you have to sell, and bring in whoever you, you you want to. But for now, yeah, that, that's that's where I'm at, and that's pretty much it. Van um, Beek needs to be starting. Yes, uh, but he he, I don't think he could have changed any of the results. But yeah, so. Uh, Try to make this one a quick one. It's only 42 minutes. <laughs> As, Just a quick one. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got for today. I mean, in the next episode, we're going to preview the upcoming Premier League weekend. And, the and review the, the midweek games. Yes, and preview the MLS action as well. All right, so join us in the next episode. Uh, that's all I got. See you later. Bye. <laughs>